Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It's our Wednesday preview. We have FA Cup as Swansea takes on Man City. We have Copa del Rey as Sevilla face Barcelona. We have Atalanta against Napoli, Coupe de France, PSG against Cayenne. Women's Super League as well. A lot of action. We have Jonathan Johnson and Jimmy Conrad. Que golazo begins right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Que Go Lasso. This is our Wednesday preview. A lot of action. And we have, of course, Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy, what's up, man? Hey, everybody. What's up? Happy to be here with you guys today. Love it. Love it. And of course, from Paris, Jonathan Johnson. JJ, how are you, brother? Hey there, guys. Very well, thanks. And yourselves, as you can see, it's still Christmas here. Father Christmas bringing belated points for Aston Villa over the weekend. Absolutely. If you're watching this on YouTube or uh, anywhere else, uh, video-wise, you can see that JJ hasn't left the Christmas party. And why should he? What a great win. It's it's Villa-themed. Bit of claret and blue. See, I love it, man. Yeah, you know I welcome it every time. Uh, Jimmy's uh, just squealing inside right now. Well, yes, Uh, I'm I'm waiting for JJ to hit the ski slopes with that Christmas sweater later. So I love it. All right, everybody. Welcome to K-Go lasso as i mentioned it's our wednesday preview and we begin uh in england in the fa cup it's this is guys when it gets really tasty i think the fifth round when you really start narrowing down the competition not so much uh, the premier league we know that the big boys are going to be in, be there of course but you know championship sites and see what they can do and of course jimmy let's begin with this one swansea against man city this is a good game we're all invested in this one Connor Harain, jordan morris it's uh, partly American owned. It's going to be a good one against the Giants of Man City. Do they have any chance? <laughs> well, I, I want to say yes to the Swans because one of my good friends is a huge Swansea supporter. There's a history of Americans playing there. Bob Bradley managed there. Jordan Morris is there now. Uh, yes, I want to see them do well. They're t- they're, they have not lost in the last 10 games. They just came off this weekend where they beat Norwich City, the top team in the championship. I think kind of easily, to your point, uh, Connor Hurahan, 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 I'm going to try to, I can't even pronounce even proper English names or Irish names or whatever it is. He has got three games so far with Swansea coming from Aston Villa. He's got three goals, so he's feeling it. Despite all that, you're going up against Manchester City, who I consider to be currently the best team in the world. They're doing it on both sides of the ball. They are going to rotate their squad, but we know on their, their bench, their depth is crazy. You know, oh, okay, fine. We'll bring on Ferran Torres. Oh yeah, he can't score, right? Or Gabriel Jesus, who didn't start the last game, but he'll probably come on and score. I, I just, it's crazy, Man City. Oh, okay, John Stones is going to be out. We'll give him a rest. Fine, we'll bring in Laporte, who can't even get minutes right now. So it's, it's a crazy team that City have. They're 21 unbeaten in all competitions. They are on something fierce right now. They've started this month, which was a very difficult one in fine form. I'm going with a Jimmy special, okay, everybody? There's no great odds for Man City to win straight up. The over-under kind of sucks as well. I'm going to say Gabriel Jesus. He's going to start this one. He's going to score. He had an assist the last game. He scored two goals in two games before that. He's feeling it right now, and I feel like he's got some pressure on him. There's no De Bruyne. There's no Aguero. Those guys are out. So Jesus to score and City to win 1-0, 2-0, or 2-1, plus 550. 
I like that one. I hit it last time. I bet it. Uh, I forgot who the player was, but uh, you guys know that I'm good for it. So good luck, and I wish you guys the best. It's very difficult to argue against that, Jonathan Johnson. Since December 19, Man City has won every single game. It's just very tough. Though we love uh, the Swansea story right now. Uh, can they get anything out of this, especially at home? Yeah, I mean, I'm really curious, like you guys, to see exactly how this one plays out. I do think that there is a chance of an upset. I mean, let's look at the way that City have played, particularly in the FA Cup. Uh, so far this season, that's the closest that they've come to really being tripped up. Uh, you know, we saw them pushed quite close by Cheltenham Town until they pulled away late on. Uh, you know, and Swansea, Swansea are a team who have a, a lot of good players, a lot of quality in that squad for a championship side because, you know, it's not been that long since they were still in the Premier League. Uh, you know, so I think that they're a bit of a danger to City because for me, I think that City have their eyes on what's going on in the Premier League. Uh, and what's coming up in the Champions League. I don't think that they're necessarily, uh, you know, looking at absolutely everything across the board uh, domestically this season, because it is, even for a city, uh, for a squad as stacked as City are, uh, I, I think that it's going to be very, very difficult for any clubs to be getting domestic clean sweeps uh, this season. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, Bayern have also shown that it's just, it's not going to be possible. Uh, and for me, I think that this kind of match, especially, you know, with, with them having to go away from home, uh, you know, it's an early kickoff. I think that it's really important that City make a strong start because if they do, then sure, you know, they can quite easily, uh, you know, a brush past this Swansea side, but the longer the match goes on, as we saw against Cheltenham, and the you know the 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 further they get from making that breakthrough, uh, you know I think the more frustrated they can be. And Swansea, unlike Cheltenham, you know have the ability to to punish City uh, if there are opportunities created by the hosts. Obviously, I'd be delighted for Harrahan uh, to play another key role in this. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm very curious to see uh, Jordan Morris, the more he gets uh, minutes in, uh, in English football, because obviously it's a, a move that we've spoken a lot about during January. And it could be Jordan Morris against Zach Steffen. You never know. Ederson might get that break and American on American. You never know. All right, um, Jimmy. So you have obviously Man City winning Gabriel Jesus to do his thing. Is JJ tempting you for anything other than that? No, absolutely not. I appreciate your, your attempts, JJ. Uh, but like your sweater, just not the right call. <laughs> I'm coming in hot. Just kidding. I like your sweater. Uh, 2-0. I'll say Man City wins 2-0. I think Jesus will score, and I think my bet will hit. Well, I'm going to be the pragmatist here. I'm going to agree with both of you in the way that I think Man City is going to win, but I don't think it's going to be as easy as maybe some people may think. I think, like JJ said, Swan the longer this game goes on without Man City totally controlling, Swan City can take it. Swansea can take advantage of this. But I still see a Man City win. I don't think it's going to be like a 4 nothing or not. It could be something as, as close as 2-1, perhaps. Uh, JJ, how do you see it? Final score prediction. It's just occurred to me, guys, on the topic of Manchester City predictions, do you guys not have some uh, something to say to me about uh, my prediction over the weekend that City will blow Liverpool go. out of the well, water? <laughs> well, you know what's funny? And an, apology, it, and an apology for the sweater slander, Jimmy. <laughs> well, first of all, I didn't say anything against your sweater. I love it. Second of all, it just goes to show that he doesn't listen to every episode because we showed him a lot of love. In the weekend recap, I mentioned your name. I said that you said that. So shame on you, Jonathan Johnson. Uh, that you. <laughs> but, but, but since you're here, since you're here, we'll 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 acknowledge that you you picked up on Man City demolishing Liverpool and and fair play to yep. that. And, and, and I will I'll, I'll I'll write you a handwritten note about my apology for your sweater. <laughs> and and we did call it. All right, give me your final score prediction, JJ. What, what do you think here? 
I'm going to say 2-1 City, and I think that winning goal will come quite late on. Yep, that's exactly what I think. All right, let's move on. Uh, a few other games to the FA Cup, of course, for Wednesday. And that's an all Premier League battle here. Leicester City against Brighton. Sheffield United against Bristol City. Everton against Tottenham. Where do you want to go, Jimmy? Uh, we can do Leicester-Brighton. I think this is an interesting one. Uh, Leicester haven't, they've only won once out of the last four, but Jamie Vardy and, and, and Didi are coming back into the team. They should play in this. I think if you're looking at it from a Leicester-Brighton perspective, this could be your only real shot at silverware. So why not put your best foot forward and make it happen? They do have some issues in the back, Leicester does, but they should be able to manage it, all things considered. Brighton, however, are unbeaten in their last six. They uh, Four of which are wins, so they've won four out of their last six. Only two goals conceded over that time, so that's pretty impressive. They can't score away from home, though. That's a bit of their issue. They've only scored more than one goal once over the last eight away games, so that's something to consider. And they've not scored against Leicester in particular in three straight matches. So... You take all that into consideration. You throw Jamie Vardy, who's a massive X factor into the mix and Didi now stabilizing that midfield in a way that, that uh, only he can. I like Vardy, excuse me, Jamie Vardy to score uh, anytime plus one Oh five. I think it's pretty good value, but I don't maybe look at a, I consider it a Jimmy special of Vardy to score Lester to win one zero two zero two one. That is plus uh, that's plus 400, which I really like a lot because I think Brighton will hang in there. I just think with Vardy and the team, he just, he just makes things different. If you guys think that Brighton will score and find a way to do it, Leicester City to win and both teams to score is plus 260. But the favorite exact score line on William Hill is 1-1. So they think it's going to be 1-1 after 90 minutes at plus 500. Uh, that's the exact score line for that. I don't think it'll be a draw. I really feel like Vardy is the X factor. So I'll probably say 2-1, but I don't know if you're asking for my score yet. <laughs> well, no, I'll probably come I just, back. I went there. I went there. You might, you might change your mind. You never know. And listen, by the way, I feel like uh, this is a complicated time for Brendan Rodgers because Europa comes back. You know, mm -hmm. the, the, the games are going to come in thick and fast. And if you want a long, uh, deeper dive in the FA Cup, you're going to have to really uh, manage the rotation of your squad. JJ, how do you see that one? Leicester City against Brighton. Yeah, I mean, I think, as you just said, if you really want a deeper dive in the FA Cup, you're going to have to, uh, you know, go with, uh, with, with, with a stronger team as possible. And I'm not sure that's going to be a, a priority for Brighton, given their situation in the league at the moment. I mean, OK, there is a bit of a buffer uh, between some of the teams, uh, you know, just above the relegation zone and those in the drop zone. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, a team like Brighton, who are being quite precariously placed until recently, will be still looking over their shoulders, hoping that they don't get dragged in. So they'll be looking more towards the Premier League. A, a match that goes beyond 90 minutes would be great news for Aston Villa this weekend, considering that we're coming up against Brighton. Uh, but I do think that Leicester, uh, you know, are the favourites uh, coming into this one. Uh, I mean, I can see the logic in people thinking it's going to be tight uh, and the, the draw prediction. Uh, but like uh, like Jimmy, uh, you know, I think that having somebody of the quality of a, of a Vardy, uh, you know, can really help you out in uh, in these kind of matches. So for me, I think that Leicester will probably just about get the job done, but I wouldn't mind it going beyond 90 minutes uh, just for the sake of Villa to finally come up against a team that's more leggy than we are at the weekend. Yep, I agree. All right, Jimmy, so 2-1 to Leicester City. I'm going to yeah. go with 2-1 go as well. 2-1. I, I just wanted to, I want to bring this up because I think it's important to JJ's point. They need to get points now in the league because I'm looking at their last five games of the season. They got Leeds, Wolves, West Ham, Man City, and Arsenal. And if they can't get those points now in games where, and I know this is an FA Cup match, it's a little bit different, but I could see why they maybe won't put out as strong of a team to JJ's point. I mean, that, that last five are not going to be easy, especially with a lot of those other teams trying to battle for a final position, either into Europe or to fight the relegation zone or whatever it is. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that all plays out. So I'm curious to see what uh, Graham Potter does with his lineup. 
Yeah, and I mean, I guess the only saving grace for Brighton as well is that there are far worse teams than Brighton in the Premier yeah. League. So that could be a help. All right, I'm going to go with a less. Who do you have in mind, Luis Miguel? <laughs> going down? Yeah. He said Newcastle. The I did. I was wrong. I, was, I think I, I, I was wrong. I, I put my hand again. I said I was wrong in the it's, previous it's, episode. It's not out. It's not done yet. There's more than enough time for Newcastle to get caught by somebody. I mean, Sheffield United is on something. Is this, is this the same Jimmy Conrad that predicted Villa would finish rock bottom? I, I, I can't, I can't recall that. Those, I have a short-term memory. <laughs> Short-term memory. JJ's coming out strong. He is. He's he saw, really he saw the clip. He's got the clip. Got All right. The, everybody. Getting fresh. Everybody. <laughs> getting fresh indeed. Everybody uh, has Leicester City winning in that one. Anything from those other games, Sheffield United against Bristol City, Everton and Tottenham, I guess, would be the next one uh, to discuss, Jimmy Conrad. Yeah, I think this is one that's probably the most tricky of the ones we're going to talk about today. And it's when you look at William Hill, it's plus 170 for Everton to win straight up, plus 215 for the draw, plus 175 for Spurs. I don't even think William Hill can decide who they think is the favorite in this one. There's no Hamas, apparently. He's got a bit of an injury picked up at the end of the Manchester United game. They didn't play particularly well, maybe over their last seven matches. It's kind of off and on, but they've only lost once over those last seven, which speaks to some type of character within the team that they can still grind out results and find a way to get something out of games where they don't play particularly well against United, I think was a good example of that. This, this Spurs team though, with Kane back in, it makes a difference. He did help them finally break their three game winless streak over West Brom. So we take that into consideration. Um, everybody's rolling over West Brom. I just think it's a you know step in the right direction. Again, Jose Mourinho wants to win a trophy this season. You can feel it. You can taste it. He's already in one final, the league cup final against city. I don't know how that's going to go for him given how well city's playing. We'll see how they look in April. I suspect probably very, very similar. And he has to see this as another opportunity. I don't think he's going to let it pass by. Everton, though, are in the same boat. Like, they're not going to win any other trophy. This is it for them. So it'll be interesting to see who they start and who they go with. Uh, Spurs are unbeaten in their last six at Goodison Park where this game is being played. I actually like the draw. I think this one's going to be pretty tight over after 90 minutes and then an extra time penalties. Who knows? But uh, I like the draw plus 215 straight up to stay out of the goals because it could be a 0-0, could be a 1-1. But I like the plus 215 bet a lot. Well, they're both right next to each other in, in the table. Everton 7th, Tottenham 8th. Uh, but also Tottenham has Man City this weekend. And then the Europa League after mm-hmm. that. And so, you know, it's going to be tricky. And But to your point, Everton as well has to think about, you know, uh, trying to either win a trophy or anything higher up the table. JJ, how do you see this one? Surely Harry Kane's not starting here. Or do you think? I mean, I think it's a, it's a very risky period of the season. And, and to Jimmy's point... Definitely, Jose has to be looking at the, the potential silverware outside of the, the Premier League that, that he can potentially pick up because for him, it's going to be a question of, uh, you know, job preservation between now and the end of the season, uh, you know, because in the Premier League, he's, you know, he's just not been that convincing in, uh, in, in recent months. So, you know, he's going to be looking at the likes of the FA Cup, uh, you know, the likes of the Europa League and potentially wondering how he can engineer deep runs in those, uh, you know, possibility to add the the you know league cup final success there but you know none of these uh, trophies are going to be going to be given so you know i don't think that spurs can realistically target league success anymore um and everton are not the kind of team that you want to come up against uh in the fa cup sort of before the the sort of semi-finals final uh you know they're a tough team to to break down at the moment uh you know like jimmy was saying 
not playing particularly well, still got the draw against United. And I think that speaks volumes about the, the chemistry that Ancelotti is building up within that group. Uh, you know, Carletta is finally, you know, having, a, having an impact uh, on this side. You was finally seeing the stamp uh, of, a, of a difficult um, Toffees side to break down. Uh, and, and I agree, I can see it being a, a, a tight game. Uh, neither side will want that with their charged schedules at the moment, uh, particularly Everton, who you know are in a good position at the moment with the game in hand, that the situation that they that they have going for them. Uh, and I could I could see the the nil nil uh, and possibly another one nil here. I said the same uh, in the in the earlier game that we made the the prediction on, and I'm going to say the same here. I think that you know it could be sort of goalless after 90 minutes and then uh, one nil uh, after extra time. Well, I tell you one thing: without Harry Kane in the starting eleven, uh, a Tottenham side looks very one-dimensional. So it depends, I guess, what Jose Mourinho does with him. And I wonder if Huming Son will also get a full run in that game. Uh, I agree; it's going to be very tight. I feel that Tottenham might just sneak it by, but very just a one-nothing, maybe. Uh, Jimmy, concluding thoughts on that game? Yeah, I would say that I think Kane will start. I, I think that you look at him needing match fitness. I don't think you roll him out for 90 minutes, but I think you give him 45, you give him 60 so that he has some sharpness going into that man city game. Cause that speed of that match is going to be pretty incredible. And he's going to have to be up to snuff. And I think West Brom just isn't the same as man city or even Everton at Goodison park. I think he needs some of that. And then you just have to manage his minutes. It, I guess the big question is, do you bring him on at halftime just in case it goes to extra time? So he can take a penalty or whatever it is and maybe score one late. Or do you let him try to set the tone early? Uh, I think that'll be the big decision, but I suspect he'll start. Yeah, well, we will see. All right, let's keep going. Uh, we won't take a break just yet. Let's keep going. Let's go to Italy. Jimmy Conrad, Coppa Italia, the second mm -hmm. legs. Uh, Atalanta against Napoli. Another big game, of course, as both teams look for some silverware. Yeah, defending champions, Napoli. They won it last year. That was a big deal for them and for Gennaro Gattuso in particular. In the first leg, it was 0-0 in Naples. Atalanta came out firing, as you suspect they, they do, and how they like to play under Gasparini. They couldn't score. Uh, Gattuso came out in a 3-4-3, which is not a formation they had played a lot, uh, maybe to match what Atalanta was doing, and it did not work by any stretch of the imagination. They got fortunate to have a 0-0 scoreline, so they got to be feeling pretty good about it coming into this one. However, both are coming into this a little shaky over the weekend. Napoli lost to Genoa away from home 2-1, and then you have uh, Atalanta, who were up 3-0 after 20 minutes against Torino, but then ended up dropping all three points, uh, giving up three goals in a 3-3 draw. So, I like Atalanta. I think they got more firepower. Also, Napoli just got hammered with COVID, so Koulibaly is going to be out. Uh, his backup is going to be out. Fabian Ruiz, the stud midfielder in the midfielder uh, in the midfield area for them, is going to be out with COVID. Dries Mertens is already out with an injury. Madalas, another defender, is probably going to be doubtful. If he plays, won't be very sharp. I just think everything's kind of tipping to Atalanta, especially at home, knowing that they could get into a final. And yes, you got Juve and Inter waiting for you, potentially one of those two, obviously, waiting for you in the final. Juve probably will get past Inter uh, today, but we'll end up seeing. Atalanta still has a lot of work to do, but to get into that final will be a big deal for Gasparini once again, who's proven to be uh, one of the best managers in the world. JJ, you wrote the preview for the website. How do you see this game here? Yeah, I did. And, uh, you know, the thing that I found most interesting about this is – Atalanta's run of form until their, their recent loss was, was pretty, pretty awesome. 14 unbeaten, nine of those were wins. You know, that's a real throwback to the, the Atalanta of old. And it came sort of towards the end of the, the group stage in the Champions League. Uh, and, you know, it's put them back uh, in with a shout of uh, European qualification via Serie A. 
uh, you know, which at one point in the season didn't look likely. Uh, you know, and Napoli have not put together any sort of similar consistency at any point this season. And I think that's that's why Gattuso finds himself under pressure at the moment, uh, you know, because people are looking positionally and the fact that Napoli have a game in hand uh, over some of their some of their rivals in uh, Serie A, obviously that game against Juventus uh, having to be replayed because of the COVID situation at the beginning of the season. Uh, but for me, Atalanta are by far and away the the form team coming into this one, uh, and Napoli are sort of looking over their shoulders nervously, you know, trying to hold on to any sort of form uh, of continental qualification at this moment in time. I don't think that it was uh, you know a positive thing for them to stay in the, the Europa League. I think that they probably would have actually not minded dropping out just for this one so that they could concentrate on everything domestically between now and the end of the season. That hasn't happened. Uh, you know, and now they're coming up against a very good Atalanta side who I fully expect to, to win this uh, this second leg semi-final. And to be honest, I think it's going to be quite comfortable. Uh, I, As you mentioned, the, the COVID situation decimating Napoli even further, uh, plus their form woes and the, the speculation over Gattuso's uh, potential future with the club. I can see Atlanta winning this two, maybe three, one. Yep. I see kind of the same result. All right, let's go to Spain. I just let's want to say really quick that uh, before we go to Spain, I didn't give you my line and it's the same as you guys. I think Atalanta is going to win. Atalanta to win both teams to score is plus 200. And I, I, I feel like William Hill's printing money for us with that one. That, that's a beauty. Yeah. It's a beauty. It's a beauty. So I just want to throw that out there for everybody. Yeah. I like that. No, thank you so much for uh, jumping that one right in. All right. Copa del Rey Sevilla against Barcelona. A pretty good game here once again. How do you see this one, Jimmy Conrad? Yeah, this is a crazy one because they play each other three times over the next three weeks, twice in the, the semifinals of the Copa del Rey and then once in the league. Amongst those three weeks, they also have to play their Champions League games, two of them. So Barcelona has PSG and Sevilla has Borussia Dortmund. I'd like to think Sevilla probably has the better of those two matchups because Dortmund hasn't been playing particularly well under their new interim manager, Tursic. But uh, you never know. We'll see what ends up happening. Both are pretty hot, though. Sevilla have won seven uh, straight in all competitions. And uh, they've had six clean sheets during that those seven games. So that's pretty impressive. Barcelona, on the other hand, have also won six straight, but not as convincingly. They give up a lot of goals. They kind of figure out ways to maybe sneak out results. And that, as we spoke about with Everton, that that's still a good quality to have, but not a good habit and discipline. And I still think there's a lot of vulnerabilities in the back. Sevilla at home have to know, hey, if we can get this first leg, you know, really locked up and, and can win this one, that puts a lot of pressure on Barcelona for leg two. It allows us to relax knowing we've got a lead going into camp now. Uh, I like Sevilla to win this one. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a draw. Both teams to score. I like that that one. Or Sevilla to win and both teams to score. I don't see Barcelona winning this one unless Messi just pulls something out of his butt, which is more than possible because that's what he does. Uh, I just don't really see that happening. So I, I like Sevilla to, to get a result here. Both teams to score. That's plus 450, which I think is really good value. But if you guys are Messi lovers, and I don't know why you wouldn't be. He's fantastic. Uh, and Barcelona fans, a draw with both teams to score is plus 300. I think that's good value too. Yep. What do you think here, JJ? I mean, the Papu Gomez Energizer as well is, is, is part of this uh, rhetoric as well. And last weekend, it just, uh, you know, Messi was on the bench. He was getting a little upset about what was going on. So he was like, oh, can you just put me on, Ronald Coleman? And he came on and, what, like a minute and a half later, even less, uh, he scored. So How do you see this one? Yeah, well, uh, you know, really looking forward to this uh, as well as the, the, the other matchups between them over the coming weeks. Uh, I think that Sevilla are definitely one of the form teams at the moment. I mean, you look at the way that they've kind of pulled away between them and Villarreal in the last couple of weeks because Villarreal were quite well placed until a, ru uh, a run of draws. I think it's four consecutive uh, that's seen this gap 
sort of open up between the, the teams in the Champions League places uh, and uh, and the Europa League in uh, La Liga. And Sevilla are well placed at this moment in time, I think, to overtake both Barca and Real because I can't see those two not dropping points anytime soon. You know, they've, they've been dropping them left, right and centre over the, the entirety of the season. Champions League coming back, uh, you know, and Kuman as he's as embattled as ever at this moment in time with all of these questions in the press conferences about Messi's future and, you know, lots of the rumours uh, about, about him going to PSG. Uh, Kuman going in hard on Leon coach Rudy Garcia for just basically pointing out that it's not like uh, Barcelona have not spoken uh, publicly about players uh, in the past or had transfers linked uh you know in, on the front pages of their press so you know kuman kind of seems a bit cagey at this moment in time and i think that reflects the tension around this barca squad uh, in the build-up to the return of the champions league uh, of course there's a few injury concerns as well i think dest is missing for this game uh, might be back in time for the weekend before psg but there was still some doubt over whether he he's going to be ready for the champions league next week so uh, you know it's it, it's definitely a complicated time for barcelona and you don't want to be coming up against this uh informed sevilla side at this moment in time so i completely agree i can see a sevilla uh, win. Uh, I, I can't see a Barca win, let's put it that way. Uh, so I'm going to go for 2-1 Sevilla. Nice. I'm going to go with a draw. Jimmy, what was your final prediction here? Yeah, I'll say 2-1 Sevilla. I mean, after hearing JJ kind of explain it more and looking at some of the results and with the insertion of Papa Gomez, who just scored against Hitape this weekend, I mean, they just got so much depth in so many different areas and they're so strong. And I think they're one of the best teams out wide and servicing the ball and getting good runs uh, in the world. It's not just in, in Spain. Uh, I say two, one Sevilla. And I think that'll give them some breathing room into leg two. I will say the Barcelona has won Copa del Rey more than any other team in the history of the competition 30 times. And they have to be thinking this is going to be a great time. Both Madrid clubs are out. So they're either going to face Athletic, who they did lose to the Spanish Super Cup final, even though they had two leads, or, or Levante. And I think Athletic will probably do the business against Levante, and then we'll see who it happens. This Athletic team has been very good under Marcelino. So we'll, we'll, we'll end up seeing what happens. But I think Sevilla or Barcelona have to be looking at this. If we win the semifinal, we are the, the favorites to win this competition. And, and uh, I don't think they're going to take this game very lightly. No, it should be a very good game indeed. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will discuss Coupe de France and uh, a little bit more. Stay right here. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back, everybody, to Que Go Lasso, Jimmy Conrad, Jonathan Johnson, and we are in uh, France, Coupe de France, as Cannes faces P. 
ESG. And JJ, before we get your thoughts on this, uh, obviously we begin with you. Let's have a little bit from Nicholas Giacchini. You talked to him uh, earlier, um, a few months ago, but I think it still speaks uh, to the flow and, and how Karen's season is going so far. Uh, check it out. I feel like the team is is getting better in the play uh, on the field, the tactic, uh, moving forward with the ball, offensive, defensive transitions. We are getting better, uh, and I, I, am, I am happy to see that. But, you know, we still miss that final third efficiency and creativity and, and, and the fact that we need to be more spontaneous on the field. Uh, that's, I think, what we're missing. But um, it'll come with time come with uh, the really setting these, everyone, all, all the players to have the same goal and same mentality to, to never give up. All right, that was uh, Nicholas Giacchini, um, the United States men's national teams, Nicholas Giacchini, as they face PSG. And we have a little bit of an update as well from uh, this game as they face PSG. JJ, what do you have for us? How's this game? Do they even have a chance? They're at home. Uh, maybe they can take advantage of, uh, you know, the physicality that was Le Classique. Can anything happen here? And I think the thing that we have to bear in mind uh, with PSG is when they return to Champions League action, it's always something that's being talked about sort of weeks in advance. And I think the thing that works in Caen's favour is PSG have had their big match pre-Barcelona already. They went to Marseille over the weekend, uh, 1-2-0, uh, lost Angel Di Maria through injury. It sounds like he's not going to make the first leg against Barcelona. So right. PSG are already in sort of preservation mode. Uh, you know, wanting to avoid any further injuries to star players. And they'll be wary about going to a team, uh, a second tier team, uh, you know, who are going to be, you know, really up for this, you know, Caen, a team that have spent plenty of time in Ligue 1. Uh, and, you know, now with the new takeover, uh, are looking to sort of get themselves back to the top flight as quickly as possible uh, and start, uh, you know, mixing it with the, the big guns again. So I you know, listening to what Giorakini was saying in the pre-match press conference, he's talking about, you know, not being defeated mentally before you go out on the pitch against a team like PSG, because if you can give them a game, uh, you know, make sure that they know early on, uh, you know, that they're going to be in a physical contest and uh, that, you know, the team's not just going to roll over and let them win. Uh, you know, they can make life difficult for PSG and that he's talking about having objectives and goals uh, coming into this match. And, you know, that basically there'll be no point going out on the pitch if they'd already accepted that they're going to lose this game. So fighting talk from, from Gio Akini and, you know, in line with, with what I'd expect from him after interviewing him. Uh, a couple of months ago uh, and I'm looking forward to this one because you know PSG are going to be missing some of their, their key players uh, no Di Maria as I've mentioned already Mauro Icardi is also not going to be there Kalon Navas is not going to be there which immediately means that Sergio Rico is uh, you know sort of something as an of an extra striker for the opposing side uh, and it's uh, it, it's it's a it's a um it's, it's one of those matches where we've seen PSG struggle at times this season. So to think that they're just going to go there uh, and completely walk it, especially if sort of the opening 25 minutes or so is goalless, uh, you know, is, is, is a bit unrealistic. Uh, and I think that Colm will be looking at that, encouraged by, by what they've seen from the likes of Lorient, who beat PSG 3-2 just a couple of weeks ago, uh, and Saint-Étienne, who managed to hold them to a draw. So uh, I, I think that this one is... Uh, there is a potential shock on the cards. I still think it's unlikely, um, but I don't think that PSG are going to hand out a thrashing here. 
Not only that, I feel that, and it's fine because it's obvious, but the Mauricio Pochettino system takes time. And I still am waiting to see the actual identity of this PSG side under the Argentinian manager. What are the lines saying, Jimmy Conrad? Are they favoring the home side at all? I don't think so, right? Uh, it's plus 2,200. Uh, that's that's 200, <laughs> 220 to one for for, for Con. I, I, they're my favorite club. I don't know how you pronounce it exactly, but because I'm a Conrad, these are my favorite, favorite club in France. It's Con- Conrad, it's Conradinho's. So I've got a, a, a rooting interest in Con in particular, but yeah, to, I just think there's PSG has too much quality. And for them, they just have to be looking ahead, I think to Barcelona to potentially slip up in this one. But, uh, and, and to the game that uh, JJ talked about against Lorient, they, they made three defensive mistakes in that one, all easily correctable. They were either stepping too high or Kimbembe was, you know, diving in too soon and, and just very correctable mistakes. And I just don't see them doing that again so soon after, after that loss. So I like PSG to win this one pretty big. Uh, how big? I'll say three, zero, four, zero. All right. Okay. Not even a goal for your boy. Uh, uh, my, my Conradinos? No. no. <laughs> how about you, JJ? What's your final prediction here? I'm going to say 3-1 PSG, but I think some of the goals will come late on. Give Joaquini a goal. It'll be nice to That'd see. Be cool. All right, there we, there we go. Nicolas got a goal. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's go to the Netherlands. Let's Jimmy Conrad. It's a big game there. It is a big game. It's not the classic here, but it's close. That one is Ajax versus uh, Feyenoord. This one is Ajax versus PSV Eindhoven. It's called the Topper. And uh, long history here, PSV have really uh, upped to the stakes and intensity of this rivalry over the last, uh, let's say, couple decades. Ajax is the favorite, minus 162. The draw is plus 300 plus 350 for PSV to win straight up. This is a cup competition. Whoever wins this goes to the semifinals of the Dutch Cup. Um, both teams are top two in the table. Uh, Ajax is on top by four points, but they have a game in hand, so they could extend it to seven. I think PSV kind of knows that uh, the league's probably gone at this point, unless Ajax really trips up. PSV uh, have to balance, you know, playing in Europe, and, and um, so do Ajax. So I guess there's, they have that to, to balance as well. Uh, what I find interesting is that Ajax didn't play on the weekend. But PSV did. And, and yeah, we could say that that rest is going to be important. But PSV, their top scorer, uh, Danielle Mullen, who was once an Arsenal product, by the way, and they sold him to PSV for 540,000 pounds. And I'm sure they're going to have to buy him back if they want him for 15 to 20 million. So that'll be funny. But he's got 17 goals in all competitions. He finally broke a scoreless streak of four games this past weekend. I think his confidence will be good. I like him uh, potentially scoring any time in this one. But uh, that one was, uh, I think it was like plus 200 for him to score any time. Ajax are very, very good. I think they can see this obviously as another trophy to win. I could see a draw after 90 minutes here, plus 300. I think PSV will be really throwing everything at it because they're probably not going to win anything else. So I want to give them a slight shot, but it's in Amsterdam. Ajax are very good at home. They're 11 games unbeaten right now in all competitions. Good form. My, my heart says the draw because I want to see it, but my head says that Ajax are going to win this one. Yeah, and Ajax has been going through quite a bit right now recently uh, with uh, Andre yes. Onana with a 12-month suspension due to doping and the Sebastian Haller uh, situation where they failed to register him. Oh, my God, it's just a lot. Uh, anything to add here, JJ, from uh, the craziness of Ajax, uh, who still are, um, uh, as Jimmy was saying, unbeaten in recent form? Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, I wrote an article on this last week, and although things are going very well on the pitch, off the pitch... Ajax are pretty much a disaster at this moment in time. (laughs) I mean, last week, uh, as you mentioned, you had the Andrea Onana uh, doping suspension for 12 months, uh, as well as the Sebastian Haller thing. But you also 
had Brian Brobby, who's a very highly thought of uh, player at Ajax, announcing to the club that he's not going to renew his contract. He's going to leave as a free agent. So that's basically another guy uh, that Eric Ten Hag is now no longer going to be able to call upon uh, between now and the end of the season. I mean, OK, he might be able to wheel him out in, in the event of a, a, an injury or a COVID crisis, as is probably more likely. But, uh, you know, to all intents and purposes, his time with Ajax, uh, as short as it's been, is, is, has probably been done. Uh, so, you know, Ajax sort of reeling from that triple header and probably a good thing for them, actually, that they didn't get to play over the weekend uh, and, you know, got a bit more time to, to prepare for, for this one because, you know, I do think that it's going to take them a little while to get their heads back onto what's uh, going on on the pitch. So I don't think that this one's going to be that easy for Ajax. And, you know, I actually fancy uh, PSG to potentially pull off a, a surprise here. So I'm going to go for a, a 2-1 PSV victory. Wow. I like Interesting. It. And by the way, both these teams uh, have Europa action uh, soon with PSV Olympiacos and Ajax, I believe. I you should, you should have seen all of the Lille fans uh, celebrating on my Twitter timeline when that uh, news about Haller came in. <laughs> <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Uh, I just, it's just absolutely. And, and also actually interestingly in that one, uh, they, they come up against Sven Botman, who's obviously been a revelation in Liga yep. this season with Lille. That's right. That's right. A very good defender. Uh, I thought he was going to be a major Liverpool target, but he's too expensive. All right, uh, Jimmy, I wanted to end. Uh, or did I ask you your lines for that one? You already said it for. Yeah, uh, I, I got the good stuff there. Yeah, I'm, I, I want PSV to get a result. I think it would be good. I actually play Lille uh, in, the, in the Europa League. That's a tough matchup over, over two legs. So we'll see how they do there. But, and they got PSV again in, in a couple of weeks at the end of the month. So it's, it's an interesting time for Ajax. We'll see if they can deal with this adversity off the field. We'll see. All right. We will see. All right. Before we go and before I get your final thoughts, I wanted to just show some love to the Women's Super League because it is getting very interesting and there are some games on Wednesday as well. By the way, the standings for the Women's Super League is Chelsea right now, 32 points. Uh, Man United right behind them with uh, the same points but a different goal difference. Man City after that. And on Wednesday, you have Chelsea against Arsenal. Very big game. Uh, and you have the second City derby. Birmingham City against Aston Villa, newly promoted Aston Villa. By the way, in the Women's Super League, only one team uh, gets relegated. So, you know, they're at the bottom, they're fighting. And at the top, they're fighting as well. Uh, Brighton face West Ham as well. So, you know, and then on Friday, which I'm sure we'll probably talk about at some point later in the week, but Man City against Man United uh, should be another cracking game. Of course, there's a lot of American influence as well in this league. Anything to add from that? Uh, because this is a very good league uh, that's growing. And had it not been for COVID, I think you would have seen some tremendous numbers in attendance as it was happening after the Women's World Cup. Yeah, I'll jump in and say that Man City uh, women are crushing it as well. I don't know what they're serving food-wise or drinks at Man City, but it's working. So you got to keep that going. They're only two points off the top. They're obviously in fine form. I think Manchester United losing Tobin Heath, an American international due to an ankle injury, is devastating for them. She's got so much sauce, and I would argue and make a strong argument that she's one of the most talented players this country has ever produced. So I, uh, I think that will be somewhat of a they, – they become, they become more predictable, let's say, when she's not on the field because of her ability. So that one's a big loss for them. We'll see how they respond to that. Uh, Chelsea look very, very good. Uh, as you say, they have a game in hand as well on top of Manchester United. So they control their destiny at this point. Arsenal are good too. They score a bunch of goals. They have the second best, uh, third best goal difference in the league. Their defending is very, very, very good as well. Second best attack, I should say. And uh, with regard to Birmingham and Aston Villa, I'm sure you guys are pulling for the Villa women. But uh, down at the bottom is Bristol City. They got six points. Villa are on 10. Uh, Birmingham are on 11. 
obviously a loss here, maybe a little run by Bristol and things could be looking different, but it should be interesting. A lot of good games. Absolutely. A lot of good games. Anything to add, JJ, from the Women's Super League? It's a very good league. And uh, we had Inyola uh, Aluko, who is the sporting director of Aston Villa Women, and she's been doing a lot of moves to try and make sure that Villa Women stay in uh, the Women's Super League. But it's a very tough league and it's a very good one. As Jimmy mentioned, the American influence is uh, one of those things that is helping this cause. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got to be grateful for the Women's Super League at this moment in time for giving us some direct Villa-Birmingham rivalry. It's something <laughs> we've not had for, for a couple of seasons now, but it's, uh, I mean, in terms of the Villa situation, things are quite interesting. I think we changed coach to Marcus Bignot uh, just a few weeks ago. You know, interesting to see how that, uh, how, how that turns out, if he can sort of steer the club away from uh, the, the threat of relegation. I mean, that points difference considering Bristol City's form this season I wouldn't call it insurmountable, far from it, but I think it looks comfortable enough considering that West Ham are also below Villa. But obviously a win over Blues would be uh, would, would be a big boost. Uh, and for, forgive me, I've forgotten her name, but I know we've got our exciting uh, new Japanese star as well who's, uh, who's recently taken to the pitch. So, you know, it is exciting times uh, for Villa's women's team and it would be a real shame to, to, to drop out of the Super League, uh, you know, so early. So from... For me, it's uh, it, it's it's a big. I mean, it's always a big match when it's a derby, uh, you know, and especially in such so, in such a developing league, uh, you know, I think these rivalries have to be fed. So, you know, hopefully, it's uh, full blooded and uh, and Villa come out on top with the three points. Yeah, her name is Mana Iwabuchi, by the way, and she scored a worldie. Uh, yeah. can, this, we, can uh, we get can we get Jimmy pronouncing that? Yes, Mana Iwabuchi, uh, twenty seven <laughs> years old, Japanese national team player. Amazing signing. Congratulations to you guys on that. A really good signing. She scored an absolute cracking goal uh, last weekend. All right, that's it. That's our show. Uh, thank you so much, boys. Final thoughts, anything that you want to mention as we look ahead to Wednesday and the rest of the week? Let's begin with you, Jimmy Conrad. I'm going to say congratulations, Felicidades uh, a Tigres. Uh, first CONCACAF team to ever make it to the final of the FIFA Club World Cup. They're taking on Bayern Munich, which is no uh, easy task. But I'm hopeful that Andre Pierre Gignac can stand up and be held responsible for scoring a brace and somehow getting past his Bayern defense, who do leak a lot of goals. So hopefully he can take advantage of that. Bayern, of course, are Bayern. So, and they're in the final, and I don't suspect they're going to lose. However, I'm pulling for Tigres. I'm all in on CONCACAF, baby. Let's go. Yeah, we will be previewing that game uh, on Wednesday for Thursday. Uh, it's going to be a crack Tigres against Bayern Munich. It's the final I wanted, and it's the final that's happening. Uh, how si about se you? Puede, si se puede, si se si puede. Se puede. Hey, if Pat Bamford can turn into Gabriel Batistuta, thanks to Bielsa, Gignac, a former star, thanks to Bielsa as well, maybe can do it. The business against Bayern. Hey, JJ, final thoughts from you. Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you guys. I want Tigres to, to pull off the victory. I think Bayern, Bayern get it too easy. I mean, they've already won the Club World Cup. I mean, to have a CONCACAF team actually in the final for the first time ever is, uh, is huge. So that would be that would be great. And then obviously the, the reaction in France, if Gignac was to lead uh, Tigres to, to victory against Bayern would be massive as well. So I've got my fingers crossed for that and, and hopefully we'll be celebrating later this week. Tigres, by the way, are not a very uh, well, uh, they're, you know, they're kind of like the Man United of the 90s yeah. in Liga Mekis. But I think that the entire Mexico should really go behind them. Though you Don't be surprised if a few don't, <laughs> because the hatred for Tigres is, is probably bigger than, than anything else. But hey, we're all rooting for Tigres. I am definitely. Uh, all right, that's it. Thank you so much, JJ. Likewise, thanks a lot for having me on. Always a pleasure to be on with you guys and I uh, look forward to catching up soon. Love it. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, brother. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow. 
Hey, everybody. I want to thank Jimmy Conrad and Jonathan Johnson for joining me today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Kego Lasso Pod. We're on Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating and review. We're on Spotify and Stitcher, cbsports.com. We also have our own YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Kego Lasso. We are everywhere baby. So make sure that you follow us, support us, and we will continue to ride this train. Have a great day. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.